Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. If you were in charge of casting for a movie about us, Kevin and Steph, who would you choose to play us in that movie? That is a great question, Kevin, because our next guest actually had a couple of people in mind for me. Yes, he did. We had the honor of talking to Andy Irwin, who is one half of the award-winning filmmaking team known as the Irwin Brothers. In 2019, Andy, his brother John, and their two business partners created Kingdom Story Company, which is the Christian version of Pixar. He was also the director for the recent film American Underdog, which we actually watched as a family recently and it's amazing. Yes, it is. But Steph, my favorite part of this entire thing was his reaction to my fun facts. <laughs> Folks, wait until you hear my second fun fact. It blew his mind. Andy was so gracious with his time, you guys, that we are actually making that conversation two episodes. So here's part one of our conversation with Andy Irwin. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph. So excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I already love this man. I've had so much fun with him already, and we haven't even started. I know. Wait until you hear the fun facts that I have about Andy. Okay. okay. Oh, no. It is going to blow your mind. I'm so excited right now. Friends, our next guest is one half of the award-winning filmmaking team known as the Irwin Brothers. In 2019, he, his brother John, and their two business partners created Kingdom Story Company, which is the Christian version of Pixar. And he is director of the recent film, American Underdog. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Andy Irwin. Oh my gosh, welcome! Well, I'm glad to be with you guys. This is pretty epic. I mean, the level of enthusiasm here should be sold as an energy drink. It's great. And this is caffeine-free, Steph, no, by the way. I, wow. yes, I know. I know. That's is, scary. Is there a caffeinated version out there somewhere? You don't want that. <laughs> I think too much for people. Did yeah. your mom warn you about my wife and her enthusiasm by chance? I know your wife's enthusiasm because I, I catch y'all's podcast from time to time. And, uh, what? And, Shut uh, up! And Shut guys- up! Just a great duo, and uh, it's it's a really good energy between the two of you. That, that blew my mind there, stuff. I'm sweating. I'm so excited. So first off, Andy, thank you for saying yes to us. And we need your help mm-hmm. to settle a debate and a bet that my wife and I have. Okay. This is okay. good. Got it. So we were talking about you yesterday. I mentioned, Steph, what is it that Andy has to say to an actor to get them to cry on film? <laughs> um, I'm like, Steph, does he have to give him a pep talk? Does he have to give him eye drops? Does he tell him like their dog just died? What does he do? And Steph, what did you say? I said an actor or an actress, this is their career. This is their profession. They just cry on demand. He's like, Stephanie, there's no way they just cry on demand. I'm like, that's their profession. They better cry on command. (laughs) So please answer because we have a nice bet of a massage for this and i really want to wow. win yeah wow. this affects the future of one of our friendship yeah. <laughs> yes uh, uh steph is right yes! oh no yes! Yes! It's good job. seriously boom 
much. It's their job. I mean, the really good ones. I mean, in the early days, there no, no, might just, that's all you need to say. That's all you need to say. <laughs> We're done. We're done. That's all I <laughs> No, no. In the, no, in, the early, in the in the early days, there might have been one child actor that I had to remind him of his uh, pet goldfish that had just passed away <laughs> that made him cry, and I've felt guilty about that ever since. But yeah, I mean, the really good ones, you know, tears is not the issue. It's about like if you have a sports car and you just fine tune the engine. So okay. it's about like you know sometimes they come out and they're going way over the top, and you're like, can we dial that back just a little bit? But the really good ones. In fact, I saw this one interview one time with um, Bryce Dallas Howard, Ron Howard's daughter. She's in the Jurassic Park movies and stuff. And she was talking to the host and said that she has the ability to cry on demand doing anything. And they said, could you do it reading a phone book? And she said, yeah. So they handed her the phone book and she started reading the names. And by the end of the page, like she was just sobbing. Oh, no. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, well, yeah. When you talked about dialing it down and kind of being over the top, I have that same conversation with Seth every morning when she wakes up, Andy. So I totally know what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. You have to find that dial and just get it tweaked just right. Yeah. Yes. Hey, all I know is tonight while I'm watching March Madness, uh, I'm getting a massage. So that, I'm fine uh, with this. Yeah. Wow. Basketball and a massage. That's great. Does life get better than that, Andy? Oh. Right wow. there. I'm excited. You're a, a sports fan. Wow. Huge sports fan. I didn't care about the massage. I just cared about actually getting it on recording that I was going to be right. <laughs> yeah, we can do an alternate version where I answer it your way so you can have it for you. And y'all discuss which one makes the show. See, that's the what director's say, see which cut. one he posts on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. You, you had a question. Okay. Freaking love your mama. She is the epitome of Southern Belle. Yes. We want to bottle her up and bring her so to Columbus. Sweet. But when we were talking, we were talking about Mom's Night Out, the movie that you created that is now a family favorite here in the Mason household. The kids yeah. quote this movie. Kids love it. It is so funny. But when we were talking, she said that that movie is based on your family. True or false? Yeah, it, it is. It was. You, they say write what you know. And so when that comedy was brought to my brother and I to direct, you know, we started kind of fleshing out the story and kind of getting it right. And when we cast Sarah Drew to play uh, the lead actress, we were talking about what this character should be wearing and exactly how they acted and that type of thing. And my brother is like, she's very type A driven, very structured, put together, kind of wears Gap. And I'm like, no, it's this eclectic kind of hippie, you know, just fun, free loving kind of free spirit. And we just kept arguing back and forth. And finally, Sarah stopped and said, stop it. You're arguing about both of your wives. <laughs> so so you'll see little things where it's like, yeah, oh, that's going in the movie. That's totally going in the movie. And uh, the frustration at the ticket counter of a uh, v- video arcade thing and arguing with the guy about how many. Yes. I may have had that argument. I want a pet pig. So that was you. Was, yeah, exactly. That was me. So we had a we had a lot of fun. It was funny, actually. At home, you're not a big deal to your kids. Years had passed. We'd done the movie. My kids, you know, when, when we made the movie, I only had two children and my oldest was probably about six and years passed. And just the other day, my kids came up to me and they're like, we've got this funny movie we found in the cabinet. It's called Mom's Night Out. It's incredible. Dad, why were you in that movie? And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, like, yes. I'm like, kid, I made that movie. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Thanks. You know, it's what I do for a living. Yeah, so. So was one of those cast members then you, were you like casting for you and John in that movie? 
Yeah, it, we were doing stupid little things that, you know, you guys are really good about getting the laugh, particularly because you got your own laugh track with you in the room. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, it really it's helped. true. You know, it's always funny. But uh, uh, when we were trying to kind of dial it in and make it funny, it is a volatile thing to try to get a crowd to all laugh at the same time. And uh, and so we were just adding little things and just having crazy stuff to see what would stick. And John was like, you know, what if the what if she has these flashback kind of, you know, out of body experiences where she sees, you know, her worst fears? And what if one of them is the FBI agents coming to the door to take away her kids? And I was like, ah, that's funny. And then he's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to be in it. We're going to do it. I'm like, we're what? I'm like, and I'm like, this will never make the cut of the movie. And so you see me just kind of just grimacing at the idea of doing it. And it somehow it made the final cut, but you know, my one little moment, I get, I get a little $75 residual check from SAG each year for that. <laughs> that one scene. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. There's a little tiny check comes in for my one little bit part. So, yeah. Well, another thing that Steph and I had talked about was when we found out that you were kind of casting for your own family, (laughs) Steph and I immediately were like, how would that work with us? Mm -hmm. Right? That would be so hard. And I'm like, Steph, I would start with like Thor, right? To play me. (laughs) And then I would just be like calling everybody until I got to like Pee Wee Herman and then uh, that's it. That's what you get. Yeah. Like, how does casting work with your casting for your family members and stuff? Like, is that super hard to do? Yeah, it's uh you have to have to have a decent amount of self-awareness. So, you know, if I was casting stuff, it would definitely be either, you know, Reese Witherspoon (gasps) or or it would be Jennifer Goodwin, one of those two. So Oh my gosh. So and then, and then you have to be like, so like, you know, I have to have those conversations all the time with people that sometimes you tell them that and they're like, oh my gosh. So I had this one conversation one time with an actor. He was like, you know, I want to be a leading man and, and, you know, all this type of stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And he's like, what advice would you give me? And I was like, well, you kind of got to start with what you have to work with. And I'd be like, you kind of have a face that says more villain. And he didn't like that. <laughs> he's like, no, no. Brad Pitt. Like, well, you might not be Brad Pitt. You know, might be more like Paul Giamatti. Like that, but, you know, it's, you know, so anyway, we'll, we'll work on your character, Kevin. But, oh. uh, but uh, with family, you're always navigating that. But when we cast Allie, the, the lead role, we were looking for the right person to play that. And so when we came across Sarah Drew, she's really a combination of John's wife, Beth, and, and my wife, Mandy. My wife is a redhead and a, a ball of energy herself. But I was going down the list and I, I didn't know Grey's Anatomy. I hadn't watched it at all. But when I got to Sarah's name, my wife was a huge fan of the show. And she's like, oh my gosh, Sarah Drew? She was, I was like, yeah. I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> so she was happy with the casting choice there. So Steph, we just moved into a new home. You know who's good at homes? I do, Jay Luby. And Miss Connie Luby. Yes, they build custom homes. They do remodeling. They do office construction. Steph, if you go to lubycompanies.com, they have a picture by picture here on the portfolio. And everyone is absolutely amazing. I want every one of them. <laughs> I want that one or that one. Oh, maybe that one. The Gorgeous. only problem about lubycompanies.com, it's hard to spell. Uh, there's no way. I could spell their last name unless you would have told me. I guarantee they get asked every day, how do you spell that? So friends, it's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com. Go to that website. Phenomenal pictures of what they do. From new construction to like new renovations, the Luby companies are here to partner with you. They are also a proud sponsor of... Tell us a good story. 
Oh, okay, okay, I got a question. Okay. Have you ever had it where you casted a certain person and they're like, that's who you casted for me? <laughs> I thought you had a higher opinion of me than yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, it, uh, it, it's always, you're delicately, okay, this is where we get into conversations that can get me in trouble. Uh, so, oh, we so, don't have to then. We don't have no, to. No, 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 no. You always delicately plant the idea and then you kind of work it over time until they feel like it's their idea. And they're like, Oh, you know who would be great? And you're like, that's a great idea. You're a genius. You didn't, but you planted that idea like two days prior. So it's a little bit of that. And I try to I try to be upfront with people as well and just kind of have a conversation about we're not gonna go out and find out the the Saturday Night Live version of you. We're gonna go find somebody that has kind of your soul. Mm-hmm. So like for you, that's why we cast Reese Witherspoon. Very similar. And so it's like you go find somebody that has that soul and then it, it feels right so like like when i went out and i got the kid that played bart and i can only imagine i said bart doing a movie of your life is not doing a photograph it's doing a portrait but we're going to do an accurate portrait of you and i said as your friend i can tell you that this is a version of you that's pretty accurate it's what's underneath the hood and a lot of people have one version of themselves they put on the surface that you see but as you get to know them and see what makes them tick see what's under the hood there's another version that maybe not everybody sees. And so when there's enough self-awareness to embrace, yeah, that's a version of me, then you kind of get past that. But it takes a lot of digging to kind of find the right soul for each person. And when it works, it works. And then you have to be willing that sometimes there's initially they're offended and being like, you know, dang it, I thought Julia Roberts was going to be playing me. And like, oh, sorry, sorry. Next time. Then it comes down to who you can afford. Because, you know, oh. absolutely. Every movie would love to have Leonardo DiCaprio and Meryl Streep, but it comes down to money and interest. And so you have a list of 20 actors that you're looking at for it. And every once in a while you get your first pick, but it's rare. And so, you know, in the case of American Underdog, we just stumbled into the first pick that we wanted for Kurt Warner. And wow. it was just a great fit, but that is very rare that that happens. Well, plus the scheduling, too, that you yeah, got to deal exactly. with. They already signed up for another movie, mm-hmm. and you can't really delay production on everything. So, Have you ever delayed but, a movie because you wanted an actor so bad? Well, I've actually I've done the opposite. I've actually like crunched everything so we could shoot it immediately so we didn't lose an actor. So like Zach Levi was that for Underdog. When we went into pre-production and casting for the film, we had gotten shut down a couple of times because of you know COVID pushing everything into the future. and ruining all of our lives. And so we were in the middle of uh, <laughs> casting it. And I was, I'd been friends with Zach Levi for a while. And he had since kind of blown up with the Shazam movie. Uh, but I used to go to a Bible study that met at his house like 12 years ago out in LA. And so we were talking one day on FaceTime and he's like, Hey, what's this Kurt Warner movie? I keep hearing my name thrown around it. And I was like, Oh, well, Zach, I know your schedule and I know your book for the next three years. So I wasn't even going to mention it. He's like, well, let me read the script. And I was like, okay. So I sent him the script and he texted me back at midnight. And he's like, he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, let's do a football movie. And he's like, I look just like this guy and I love the story. And so then I called my brother, John and Kevin, our producing partner. And I said, I just landed Zachary Levi for this movie. And I didn't really mean to, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> and so once he signed on, like the movie just became a really big movie, but COVID kept pushing us more and more and more. And then we were up against it. He was about to start filming Shazam 2 and we we're going to lose him. And I just said, guys, it's a different movie with Zach. 
you know, without Zach, it's just a much smaller movie. And so we crunched everything. We had to kind of get it down to where we we're shooting instead of 45 days, we had to shoot it in 30 days and wow. kind of just do insane things to kind of get it made. But it was because we really believed he was the right guy. So yeah, it happens. Is it true that he had to gain weight for that role? Oh yeah. 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 A lot of my friends are either actors or musicians. And anytime you see like the Greek God that ends up on screen, like a, like a, a Channing Tatum or one of these guys that's just like a chiseled Greek statue. It's, okay. it's not real. Yes. The amount of work that they have to do to kind of get in that kind of shape and then literally starve themselves before they film and then they shoot it. And then afterwards, they either go back to being very normal looking or heavy set or whatever, or they go back <laughs> right. to being like real thin skinny. And so Zach, you know, definitely that Shazam superhero physique is not a natural thing for him. He goes back to being thin. And he uh, he had to put on probably 30 pounds of muscle to look like an NFL quarterback. And he worked his butt off to do it. And he pulled it off. Wow. I wish I had that problem. I, I like I was one of my other friends is an actor that's a pretty popular actor. And we went to the movies one day together and I looked over at him and he had like the big nachos with the cheddar cheese on it. <laughs> and like three packs of like candy and like popcorn with extra butter. And I'm sitting there looking at like this little rinky dink salad. And I'm like, I just gained 10 pounds from looking at your food, man. I was like, it's not fair. He's like, you don't understand. I got to eat this or I'll be too skinny. I'd be like, I hate you. I hate you. I feel bad for you. Well, Andy, I want to brag on you here for a second, if you don't mind. For all of our guests, I give a list of fun facts. Okay. And this is going to spur some conversation. And Steph okay. is not aware of any of these. All right. So okay. you're going to see her genuine response okay. when I go through this. All right. Okay. Well, okay. there is one fun fact that you're aware of. My second one here. Okay. okay. First fun fact here. Andy and I were born exactly one month apart. Oh. Andy was born on September 1st, 1978. Mm. I was born on August 1st, you're 1978. You're so proud, aren't you? I guess I need to send him a birthday card. There you go. This That's year. cool. I like this. Second fun fact which this is the one you know. One of Andy's childhood friends, Joe Monk, married my sister. No! No! You didn't know this? No! I didn't know this. Are you serious? Andy's one of my best friends to this day. Yes. And so let me share the story with you, Andy. So Joe, who's one of my best friends, I've known Joe for 30 years since he moved here from Alabama. Okay? And a couple weeks ago, he's like, hey, you know what? Have you ever heard the Irwin brothers? I'm like, the Irwin brothers. He's like, they've made American Underdog. They've made Mom's Night Out. They've made, uh, I can only imagine. I'm like, dude, yes, I'm very familiar with those shows. Yeah. And he's like, they might be a good guest for Tell Us a Good Story. And so I, I look up the Irwinbrothers.com, go to Kingdom Story Company. So I called him back like two days later. I'm like, Joe, dude, how do you, how do you know them? And he's like, oh, it's childhood friends. We grew up together. And wow. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, dude. Who else do you know? Do you know Oprah by chance? I'm like, Joe, did Oprah like babysit you as a kid and you didn't tell me that either? Because I've known him for 30 years and he never once had mentioned that. That's amazing. I'm My mind is blown because Joe was like the cool kid. So they, we were next door neighbors when I lived in Ohio. I lived yes. in Ohio for like two years. They were our next door neighbors. So Joe and then his sister Judy is my age. And then Lisa used to babysit us all the time. Like every kid on the block had a crush on Lisa. And so like, <laughs> like, you know, so she was the, she was the cool girl. And then we moved to Alabama and they followed us there. We stayed good friends. 
and then they went back to Ohio. But yeah, Joe, small world, man. That's really, my mind is blown. Then I had a conversation. I'm like, okay, tell me a good story about the Irwin brothers, since you know them so well, because I was like, am I going to get on this call with either John or Andy? And they're like, I have no idea who you're talking about, right? And he's like, no, 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 trust me. He's like, and here's the story to prove it. So he said he was down in Alabama and he spent the night at your house. Right. Okay. And he said, you guys, it was like maybe nine o'clock or something. And you guys right. were staying down in the basement, sleeping on the basement, and you guys were being too loud. And he said, yeah. your dad, Hank, came down. <laughs> yes! You, yeah. you know where I'm going with this? Yeah! <laughs> Scared the heck out of us. Yeah. It was like, years later, my dad said that he did that. So, to finish the story, Joe was just up to no good. And, like, we were all, like, just goofing off. And my dad had finally had enough of it. And he comes in the room with his belt and just smashed it against <laughs> yes. the wall. And said, you kids. And I don't even remember what he said after that, but. Like my eyes were that big and I'm like, oh, oh, you just broke my father. And like, and uh, years later, my dad said that he did that as a joke. He told my mom, like, watch this, like, it's going to get real quiet real quick. And he did it and thought it was funny, but we were all terrified. And like, Joe yes. like, leans over. He's like, I think your dad's crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said, he's like, listen, Kevin, he's like, yeah. Hank was like the most mild-mannered guy I've ever met. So he's like, yep. so we were being loud. He came down like the second or third time and just hit this belt against the railing yeah. or something. He's like, yeah. I was scared. Like, I was scared the rest of the time yeah. I, I knew Hank, right? Like, I I immediately I immediately was quiet. We went to sleep. And he's like, I'm not messing with him. Exactly. It was, it was, I think it was actually for my birthday. And it was like, uh, it was the only time he ever did anything like that. But it lasting impression. I think it probably every person in that room because it was joe and there was like five or six other neighborhood kids that were up spending the night and i think every one of them was probably traumatized from that moment <laughs> time forward <laughs> yeah it happened joe's probably scared of your dad to this day i yeah, imagine yeah, from yeah, the experience exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah that's great I, i'm impressed next foot back and his brother john started off their careers working for espn as camera operators in his hometown of birmingham alabama as a sports cameraman, Andy here has worked with ESPN College Football Primetime, Fox NFL, has covered the X Games, NBA, and the Super Bowl. Okay, can we stop right yes. there? Okay, huge sports fans right here. Cool. Any good stories of you being a cameraman for any of these games? Like, did you ever get run over by a player? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was the most fun job I ever had. It's not suited for like a married guy because you travel so much. But I would travel all over the place with ESPN, and like those days were amazing. Uh, I was single at the time. But my most infamous moment came in Ohio, and I was doing an NBA game in Cleveland, and it was uh, LeBron James' second year. And they made it into the playoffs, I believe, that year. And so he wasn't used to kind of the playoff format. And in the playoffs, uh, they add extra cameras around the arena. And so they added an extra one, which was called a foul line extended handheld camera. So it's a guy sitting Indian style across from the free throw line on the mid court line. And okay. so there's the that front row of seats and you're sitting Indian style in front of them. And you got literally about three inches of out of bounds before you're on the court. And so you're sitting there in the playoffs. And how long do you have to sit there in Indian style? Like two hours? Oh, it was horrible. Well, used to they let you have these little swivel chairs, but one of the mascots at one point stole a swivel chair <laughs> during one of the timeouts and left it on the court and one of the cheerleaders tripped on it. And so they made it a rule like you're sitting on your butt. And I'm like, oh, great. It's a stupid mascot. It wasn't our fault. So we're sitting Indian style there. 
and LeBron James wasn't used to that camera being there. So it was, uh, what, what was the game? It was Cleveland Cavaliers against the Detroit Pistons. And I want to say it was in 2005 or six. And I'm sitting there and he spots up for a three right in front of me, an incredible angle right in front of me. I get a gorgeous shot, you know, ball off the fingertips. It's rotating in slow motion, goes in the hoop. And I pull back to get a reaction of LeBron. LeBron, I can't believe this is going to be on the record because he'll probably come hunt me down there. He'll be like, you're the guy. But uh, but LeBron, he kind of showboats, kind of backpedaling out of bounds for the crowd and doesn't know my camera is there. And he's coming right at me. So I stick my hand out and I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 no. And right as he gets to me, he flips full in the air and lands face down on the court and does not move. Oh, no. And I'm like, I just killed the king of basketball. <laughs> Like, if I'm going to be that guy. Like, I'm going to be like, go down in history as this infamous character. And I'm like, oh, dang. And he it, it, it was probably only on the ground for like 10 or 15 seconds. It was the longest 10 seconds of my life. So all the fans <laughs> in Cleveland are booing me. I'm getting kicked in the back, trash thrown. Really? Yeah, then finally he gets up and shoots a dirty look at me like only LeBron can do. And kind of looks at me like, you know, out of my way, kid. And then security comes. And they yank me out. Oh. And I'm like, I'm five foot eleven. He's six foot eight. I'm sitting on the ground. What do you want me to do? But he's the he was the king of Cleveland. So uh so I got yanked out. It turned into this whole thing. And then and I've looked for the footage on like YouTube over and over again. I can't find it. So somehow I think ABC kind of made that footage go missing. Okay, so when that happens and yeah. someone gets run over. Right. What is happening in the headset? Are your coworkers, are your buddies just giving you crap the entire time? Are you making fun of each other? How does that work? Well, it depends. In that case, it got super quiet. Okay. Uh, because uh, none of the camera guys want to be associated with you at that moment because you're like, <laughs> we're like, it's been nice knowing you. You know, we never, that, we always, we, ne- we never liked that guy in the first place. And you're just, you're, you know, you've got that, you know, that black spot. You're like, oh, no, okay, that's my time. It's been nice, guys. It's been a nice ride. Yeah. So nobody will talk to you. And then um, in that case, my director in that case, a guy named Schwabi, he, he came to my defense because he was like, it's not his fault. But in other times when it was my fault, like the things that were said, I can't repeat on uh, this right. podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> they use yes. creative language. I'm sure they did. So I would be a terrible, I would be a terrible cameraman because I would be like filming random people in the stands. Like, hey, Andy, check out this jabroni in 119, yeah. right? Or, or, yeah. or like, like you're filming and the camera's, you know, supposed to be stationary, but you just keep watching the you're game watching and the you're yeah, 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 the camera. Yeah. Have you ever done that? There was on occasion, like every once in a while, you get starstruck. So, like you know, I did a I did a fight once. It was a boxing match, and it was Muhammad Ali's daughter, uh, Layla Ali. And I was doing the fight, and I was in the the locker room pre-fight and getting the shots of her warming up and stuff. So I'm getting the shots, and I'm just not really paying attention. And then all of a sudden, I look up, and in walks Muhammad Ali with all of his bodyguards from the Nation of Islam. Oh, and I was just like. I'm both in awe and also terrified at this moment in time. And I'm just like, my one goal is to get out of this backstage alive. But it was like these big, scary bodyguards. But he walks in and it's just like, I got a little starstruck. I'm like, that's Muhammad Ali, you know? So every once in a while that would happen and you would just kind of have an out-of-body experience. But uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. All right, Steph. In 2002, he and his brother founded a production company, and their first ventures were commercials, documentaries, and music videos. They were soon directing videos and producing concerts and television programs for recording artists such as Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Casting Crowns, Switchfoot, and Skillet. The Irwin brothers received 11 GMA Dove Award nominations and three wins for Music Video of the Year. Okay. Okay. When was your pinch me moment? Like, John, this is actually happening. Like that to first us. award. Yeah. Or just anything. Yeah. The first one, because for years we did music videos that um, were completely embarrassing. So for years we just tried to get any wannabe artist that wanted to make a music video and they had $500 to pay for it. We're your guys. And so <laughs> we, we did that for a while. And like, Guys that, you know, they're never going to make it. And so we did a lot of embarrassing videos, but we were trying to kind of just kind of jumpstart this thing. We were from Birmingham, Alabama, and nobody really wanted to work with us. And the first one to kind of take a chance on us was Michael W. Smith. We uh, got called by his agents. Usually the music videos at that time cost uh, about $50,000 to do. And they only had like, you know, it wasn't for a big song. It was one that was special that Smitty had done for his daughter. And he's like, you know, I only have a few thousand dollars to pay for it out of my pocket. Could you guys do a small video for us that we just do uh, just for my family? And we talked, John and I talked to each other and we said, you know what, guys, it would benefit our career a lot more if we could actually do a big video. And so if we were to go out and raise the money or, or get a loan for the money to pay for the rest of the video ourselves, could we do a big video? And they said, sure, go for it. So we went out and took out a $10,000 loan to do a video for a little song called How to Say Goodbye. And next thing you know, Mikey W. Smith is uh, in Birmingham, Alabama on our set. And it was just one of these moments that's like, this is amazing. And that video turned out to be the most popular Christian video for about six months after that. Oh, wow. And so that really launched us and then led to kind of us getting to work with everybody that we'd ever dreamed of. And then eventually led to, you know, we did a lot of Christian contemporary, did some country. And then eventually started doing rock music videos and um, the videos that we did for Skillet. I mean, the monster video, I think has about 500 million views on YouTube now. So it was like really, really popular, but we, we got really good at blowing things up. And so any rock video that we didn't know how to end, we would just blow something up. And so, <laughs> so, so in fact, our very last treatment that we did for a band, it just said, uh, band comes out, things blow up. It starts to rain, more things blow up, it stops raining, everything blows up. Yeah. And they're like, we love it! That's the script. We became those guys. So, yeah. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.